From the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The crowds asked John the Baptist, what should we do? He said to them in reply, whoever has two cloaks should share with the person who has none, and whoever has food should do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they said to him, teacher, what should we do? He answered them, stop collecting more than what is prescribed. Soldiers also asked him, and what is it that we should do? He told them, do not practice extortion, do not falsely accuse anyone, and be satisfied with your wages. Now the people were filled with expectation and all were asking in their hearts whether John might be the Christ. John answered them all saying, I am baptizing you with water, but one mightier than I is coming. I am not worthy to loosen the thongs of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Exhorting them in many other ways, he preached good news to the people. The Gospel of the Lord. As we had mentioned at the beginning of this Mass, we are in the third Sunday of Advent known as the Gaudete Sunday. Gaudete is the Latin word for rejoice. Rejoice. And it comes from the opening antiphon for this Mass. Rejoice in the Lord always again. I say rejoice. Indeed, the Lord is near. Gaudete. What is the cause of rejoicing for us in this third Sunday of Advent? Well, the opening prayer and also the antiphon that I just read to you explains to us what is the cause of this rejoicing. It is because our preparation for the birth of Christ, for the coming of Christ anew in our lives is almost over. And as you see the Advent wreath, we have only one candle left to be lit next Sunday. It is a cause of great rejoicing because after the candle is lit next Sunday, we will await for the birth of the ultimate light, the light of the world. Jesus Christ. And because of that, it is a reason for us to rejoice and to be joyful. I've mentioned this before that in the Catholic faith, we, we, have, we have a clear distinction between being happy and being joyful. Joy is so much at the center of who we are as people of faith. And I mentioned before, too, that as baptized, we are not necessarily called to happiness, but to joy, 
Happiness is fleeting. Happiness is dependent on results. Happiness is dependent on situations. But joy is dependent on a person, on our rock, on our foundation. A distinction that I've mentioned before was that if you're sick right now of something or if you're having problems, of course you won't be happy. Meaning, your happiness depends on your current situation. But joy is different. Even though we might not be totally 100% healthy or we might be experiencing a difficult, a difficult uh, situation, we can still be joyful because we know we're our, we're our existence really depends on, on God. That is why joy is dependent on knowing who's in charge. The other gospel that we normally use in the third Sunday of Advent is that encounter with John the Baptist and with, with his disciples when John the Baptist asked, asked his disciples to ask Jesus whether he is the one they're waiting for or should they wait for another. Remember that, uh, that encounter between John the Baptist and his disciples? And John the Baptist asked his disciples when he was in prison, ask Jesus if he is the one to come or should we wait for another? There's also the gospel almost every other year during the season, uh, during the third Sunday of Advent. And it tells us that if that is the gospel for the Sunday of rejoicing, joy is dependent on knowing who God is, of knowing who He is. And not just a cerebral knowledge of Him, but rather an experiential one, truly convinced deep within our hearts that He is our Savior, that He is the Messiah, that He is God. All the other knowledge are dependent on this. If you want to be joyful, we have to know who is God to us. Asking ourselves, how is my current relationship right now with God in the depths and in the profundity of my heart? Am I just going through the flow like a water lily? Or does His values and His kingdom truly encapsulate me is the one that informed every decision that I make, that informs my lifestyle, my choices. So that's one. That's where our joy is coming from, from our own knowledge, experience, experiential knowledge of God. But the second one also where our joy is coming from is from what we heard from the gospel today. When John was asked, when the crowds asked John the Baptist, what should we do? How, what should we do in order for us to live a life of joy? And John the Baptist says, whoever has two cloaks should share with a person who has none. And whoever has food should also do likewise. 
Also, he said, stop collecting more than what is prescribed. Do not practice extortion. Aside from having that knowledge of God, experiential knowledge of God, the other source of our joy is our attention to the needs of others. Inasmuch as the season of Advent is a season for penance, asking ourselves, what are those things that I need to get better? What are those things that I need to remove from my heart that, um, that renders me unfit to receive Christ Jesus anew in my heart? Inasmuch as there's a lot of inner, inner conversion, the call to inner conversion, we are also called not to forget the existence of the other. That's our source of joy as well. Our solidarity with the poor. That is why I mentioned to you that one of the great things that we do here at St. Cecilia is the giving garlands, telling us that in as much as we are doing this personal project of, of making our hearts, our being ready for the coming of Christ, I should not also forget the needs of others. I should not also forget the plight of the other person, my neighbor. So that is a source of our joy as well. In this year, this year where the, the third Sunday of Advent falls on the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, we are given the image of a, and a perfect model of a person who is filled with joy. Why is that? Because Mary is the Our Lady of Advent. She, she, she actually personifies joy. Why is that? Because she carried Jesus in her womb. <laughs> there is nothing greater joy than that to actually be the tabernacle, the Ark of the New Covenant. Last night, we had great celebrations here. We actually got home at 2 a.m., so I'm still a little bit disoriented. <laughs> no, but it was good. It, it was good, but it was wonderful celebration last night, uh, filled with, uh, with so much joy. But if you see here in the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, which is actually... Um, an exact replica of what is in the basilica, what we have in here. This is a new one that was uh, brought to us uh, not too long ago. And uh, this is an exact replica of what you see in the basilica in Mexico City. Mary here, appearing to Juan Diego uh, more than 500 years ago, five centuries ago, is actually portrayed as pregnant. If you see that little bow in the middle. Uh, it is the belt, it is the belt for, and it is normally raised. And uh, it's raised there because it signifies that she's carrying Jesus in her womb. And could you imagine this event more than five centuries ago is one of the great reasons of our joy in the Catholic faith one of the most visible signs of conversion in the world. 
millions of people were brought to the faith because of this apparition of our Blessed Mother. In fact, in the first 10 years of, of her, uh, in the first 10 years after her apparition, more than 9 million people were baptized into the faith. And right now, right now, at this time, the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe in, the, in Mexico is the most visited Christian or Catholic site in the whole world. 20 million people a year before the pandemic, surpassing, surpassing Rome and even Holy Land. It's amazing. And what are the symbols in here? You know, I was, I was reading this uh, as my preparation for my homily last night, and, uh, and it explains so well in this book by Father Eduardo Chavez, actually, who was here uh, several weeks ago to give a conference of for Our Lady of Guadalupe in our Spanish community. And he explained so well the meaning of the image of our Blessed Mother, especially her mantle. He said, the clothing the Virgin wears tells us more about who she is. Her mantle is adorned with stars. Some who have studied the stars on the Virgin's mantle have reported a remarkable coincidence between this pattern of stars and the constellation that appeared in the sky above Mexico City on the morning of December 12, 1531, the day the Virgin revealed herself on the tilma. And the Virgin's mantle is of a rich green color, which for the Aztecs was a color that had significant imperial association. Only the Aztec emperor wore a blue mantle, which typically was feast-stoned with emeralds, thus symbolizing the heavens. Decorated in gold flowers, her earthly pink tunic evoked the earth and the land. At her feet, these two pieces of clothing, her tunic and mantle, are held by the eagle angel, thus indicating the virgin's reign over the whole cosmos. In her the sky and the earth are joined together. And also, there was this great study done by, uh, by prolific painters and also ophthalmologists on her eyes. And they did, and they blow up the eyes, and they saw that they were like human figures in her eyes. Human figures in her eyes. Mary's apparition in Tepajak is a gift to us. It's, it's amazing, you know, to witness the joy of the people last night in here. Some people were crying. Some people were entering the church kneeling offering their, their prayers and also their flowers to our Blessed Mother. And the devotion is not necessarily for her, but because of who is in her womb, Jesus. That's the greatest joy that the Blessed Mother gave us. 
not herself. Of course, we love the Blessed Mother just by herself. But who she brought to us is the greatest gift of joy that we can ever have, and that is her son, Jesus. The same son that all of us are awaiting to be reborn again in our own lives during this Christmas season. The second letter, the second reading today from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians is really a good summary for what is being exhorted for us this Sunday. St. Paul said, Have no anxiety at all, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. I was reflecting on this and I was like, what is St. Paul talking about? He knew what it means to be anxious. He was imprisoned. He was sto almost stoned to death. He, he was arrested. He experienced all sorts of things, and yet he says, have no anxiety at all. I have so many things that I am anxious about. Just looking at my calendar, I get anxious. Just looking at my schedule, I get anxious. Sometimes when I see some people, I get anxious too. <laughs> but it is when I forget and who is the one in charge. It is when I forget that who is really, what is really the most important thing. That's when I get anxious about. That is why the whole Advent season is a season to recenter ourselves to what is truly important. And the most important, of course, is Christ. Make him once again as the center of your life. And if once we do that, we will experience the tremendous joy, truly the joy that our hearts long for. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us.